Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're doing an episode of Bedrock Talk where we're talking about games, and I think uh, today we were going to start with uh, the topic of unified mechanics, which I guess you were was a little bit on your mind during the week, and so... Yeah, uh, I had some discussions about that. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so I guess first maybe we should start with how we would define unified mechanics, because I think in our sort of before we started recording i think we sort of did come up against this sort of idea of at what point is a system considered unified or or maybe just more unified than previous editions um so yeah so what would what would your working definition of unified mechanics be i would say unified mechanic is when you kind of have a single formula for how things are resolved you know maybe that the you know there's a certain way dice are selected and modifiers are used that's uh used to represent a whole you know pretty much everything in the game i mean very few games are truly unified but that's that's the the ideal yeah i, uh, I would well, yeah i would say for me it's um it, it it's just if the, it's, i have a pretty loose way of doing it if it's obvious that that the that everything's trying to be folded as much as possible into this core mechanic of some kind. And I would say that's sort of more unified. It's more about, is the game more unified or less unified? And occasionally mm-hmm. you play a game that's very unified, but, um, but you can sort of tell when, 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 they're, when they're trying to push everything into this one way of doing things. Um, and, and I think some games do it better than others. But... but uh, but like you know, just just even within the context of D and D, you know, the older editions feel much less unified to me, and the newer editions, at least D twenty, uh, feels more unified. But it's still a pretty, you know, uh, piecemeal system in a lot of respects. So um, it is, yeah. I mean, it's because uh, I mean, you, I mean, you've got you've got weird disunities even now, where it's like you have the you know your number and your ability score and then that gets converted into another number that's the number you actually use in the mm-hmm. <laughs> in the die roll as a modifier and so on so it's kind of got weird weird little things like that that are left over but but, but there's still a core sort of you know roll a d20 add a number to it um yeah sort of oh it, it is a, it yeah. is a it is a yeah. fairly unified system once again though there just start a lot that go all the way there yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, I'd say off the top of my head, I'd say the most unified system I can think of is probably one roll engine, which really, really does manage to use its system in a lot of different ways. And, and it's, it's because its core mechanic is a dice pool, but the dice pool, you're, you're getting matches. You're trying to, you know, basically get matched sets of dice of the same number and the number of that match and the number of dice in that match give you two different pieces of information. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of created this mechanic where you're getting you're getting a lot more information out of the dice. Therefore, you can do mm-hmm. more with that mechanic than you could in a lot of other systems. Well, and I feel so, like dice pools do tend to be more unified for some reason. But I think that's more out of necessity than aesthetic if you know what i mean um yeah yeah exactly i mean you know because dice pool systems tend to use one die too there's one die type so you're not tempted into the whole let's use different dice for damage and you know like dd has and well i like i i do a dice pool and my my reasoning for for not 
going beyond and do and, and trying to keep it a little unified isn't that I like unified mechanics as much as I don't want to I don't want like you're already rolling so many dice and people already kind of have an issue with that sometimes like dice pools are all dice pools they're 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 not everybody's favorite thing in the world some people really like them but but people who don't like them you know will will let you know and yeah. I feel like if you if you clutter it up even more by adding in okay well we have dice pools but here's a d20 roll for this and a, you know <laughs> that that it that it'll just you know it, it'll just muddy the waters even more but also your demand for a dice pool like you said you have to have so many dice of that type and so it's just a little bit more of an economic investment as well if you say well you've got to have 10 d10 and 5 d6 and and five yeah. d8s and if you just keep exploding it not everybody's going to have that you know the, 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 you're going to have to you know buy buy the dice in 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 uh in, in groups of five or ten or something just to, just to just to play the game so yeah and i mean uh, obviously everyone's got those those well not everybody most people have those big tubes of d10s from you know the 90s when that was like a standard thing you'd buy so going yeah going, i mean having having a d10 dice pool is a very very approachable mechanic and uh but yeah, the uh, but yeah, those I, I'd say though, you know, unified mechanics for the most part is something you kind of aspire to, and you often don't quite get there with with a lot of them. But uh, the uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, and to give give an example of one where it's a split mechanic where there's kind of two where where it's not unified, but it is kind of carefully planned as Gumshoe, where you've got. You've got the investigative system, which is all you're spending points to do something specifically. Mm -hmm. There's no rolling or anything because your investigative skills you're really great at. If you want to use your investigative skills to do something awesome, I mean, well, you can do normal things with your investigative skills and you can just do them. And if you want to do something extra cool, you spend a point and that's it. It's done. And, uh, and then with the general skills, everything that's not an investigative skill, you are rolling dice and spending points to add a bonus to your roll. So that's two systems. So it's not technically unified, but it was it's very planned out that way. So it's 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 got the same care that goes into a unified well, system. And it, and it's funny because I tend to think of it as a more unified system than a less unified. Like I like I would tend to file it with games like GURPS and stuff like that, where there's like a the, with. I, I guess to me a lot of the thing about a unified system is that it's sort of carefully planned and it doesn't necessarily yeah. to me it doesn't have to pivot around one central mechanic though that is sort of the idea that is sort of you know like we have a d20 and we add a number or we have a, a percentile roll or whatever but if even if there's just two core mechanics do you know what I mean and and yeah. it rarely deviates from that to me that's pretty close to a you know because because to, to me what, what unified mechanic really means is that you're sort of out of principle, not exploring other ways of resolving things because you want it to be nice and orderly and predictable. And mm -hmm. and when I and I, it's been a while since I played Gumshoe, but Gumshoe struck me as having that a little bit of that philosophy to it, um, where you know the the it's very important to have it run light and smooth, and and not to be you know sifting through a bunch of charts and. And, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and having, okay, well, now we're going to do a D6 roll, but you're going to roll under rather than over and stuff like that. Um, and so I guess uh, one of the things that I'm sort of interested in discussing is, is the pros and cons, because I feel like 
maybe less now because the OSR is really kind of broken a lot of these assumptions up, I think. But I don't know how mm-hmm. much of that is just within the OSR because I, I sometimes have a myopic viewpoint. Um, but I feel like the prevalent attitude is that unified mechanics are always a good. And for lack of a better term, I guess disunified mechanics are are, are generally... Yeah, they're bad or undesirable. <laughs> and I, I, I've just been increasingly over the past 10 years or so feeling the opposite of that. And, and I, 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 like I said, I make a unified system. I play unified games. I definitely see the advantage of the predictability they give. And there are a lot mm-hmm. of really good unified games out there. But at the same time, I feel like when the game system is more, I don't know, I don't know, sort of more clutched together with different, different parts, like a Frankenstein monster, yeah. it gives you more control over each of those individual parts. And, yes. and there's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for that. And I know that from my own experience because there are things when I'm, when I'm thinking unified with my own game, th- there would be much easier ways for me to resolve some of my problems if I just said, well, I'm going to use a D20 now or oh, I'm going to use a, this now or, or whatever. And, um, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you're not doing that, then you're stuck with the math of your core mechanic. And so a good example of that in my own game is we had a D10 dice pool and eventually we just said, screw it. We're going to do, we got D10s anyways, percentiles are going in because I'm not going to like cobble together some wonky, uh, you know, dice pool encounter chart that's based on this one unified mechanic. It's going to drive me crazy. And then I opened it up to to 2D10, add them together for encounter. You know, and so the, just, I, I feel like the, the more you're tethered, to this unified mechanic, um, sometimes the worst can be. And I think it's no more, no more is it more clear than in the evolution of D and D, where I feel at least by three, I don't play five E, so um, I have a, I, I might be playing it in the next month or so, but I haven't really played it since it come out, so I can't comment on that. But I played up through four E, and I feel like the game got more and more. Uh, unified as time went on. And you noticed it with D20 especially, where it's like, okay, we're going to focus on the uh, uh, D20 and add a number. And and when I went back and started playing 2E again and 1E, and, and now you and I are doing BX, it's it's so much better. It's so much better not having to always do the D20 and add a number. It, it's like, yeah. it's by a factor of 10, like demonstrably, objectively better than... I, I don't know. That's just my opinion, obviously. But I, I feel like... I don't know. I feel like... Yeah, I, I, I feel the same. I mean, the thing is... And the, 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 the existence of the OSR makes it even better. Because it's just... There's so many options. You know, it's like... You want to add... If, you, if you're like, hey, I want to add, you know, a domain system where people can run their own kingdoms. It's like, you've got so many options out there now that you can go out and you can, you can, you can tape that onto the side of your game based on the feel you want. You want something really loose and kind of, you know, something quick you can do once a month and get it over. Do you want something where you're actually worried about the economics of these things? You know, you've got, got, got this huge variety of options and they, they, they all work differently. Do you want, do you want magic to be predictable do you want magic to be crazy and insane you know it's just there's so much variety you know with with all the uh 
all the all the variants. But but I mean, you know, I mean, and obviously, I mean, it could, the system itself has so many things. You, you know, I mean, the, the the only the only bad side I would say that I've, I'm finding running BX is that. You know, it does have the thing where sometimes you're rolling over, sometimes you're rolling under, sometimes you're rolling high, sometimes you're rolling low. That it takes a little while to get that in my head, but once it's in my head, I, I like it. Well, you and know, the, I mean, the the advantage of it is sometimes it's better to be rolling under than over. Um, initiative, I think, is a good example of why, like a low roll is sometimes a better goal than a high roll because it's e- once you have the initiative mm. it's easier to count up than it is to count down at least for me <laughs> that's true so in my own game i have a roll high initiative system and i'm always losing track of people and and their turn order because i'm counting down from 10 and yeah i find that very counterintuitive knowing that i always have to roll high is certainly intuitive but that's not what matters what matters in keeping that flow of events going is the GM keeping track of that turn order, not the players necessarily remembering that they have to roll high or low. Cause that's, per- you do that 10 times. You, you got it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so I think an initiative yeah. system where it's based on a lower roll is actually better. Even if the bulk of the system is roll over. Um, and, yeah. And so, I mean, I, and I know some people don't like the, well, roll under or roll low is counterintuitive because low is bad. But I, I don't know. That's just that I just think that's stupid reasoning to me. <laughs> well, and not... for numbers, I agree with you on initiative. It's totally low is good. I mean, where'd you come in the race? I came in number one. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like that's <laughs> that's that's the straightforward. I mean, your your initiative argument. I'm thinking, man, I might have to house rule that in the BX game if we keep playing that because that that makes sense. But, but to use and, and to use a, a, another one, a, a, a attribute rolls like, you know, where you're, um, you know, where you're where you're, uh, you know, rolling under your attribute. You know, that's, uh, you know, yes. on weapon proficiencies do the same thing. Um, I, you know, in, in 3E, you got the you got the stupid D20 add a number to your skills and that screws up the whole probability thing of it. So that so that yeah. you, you, you like you can the thing the thing that I like about roll under is number one it doesn't involve any math you know it's it's just i roll under the thing i don't add anything to the night it's very easy to do but also yeah. it's it's generally it generally favors success if you have a decent ability score which i think makes a lot of sense it kind of mm-hmm. you know it's it's a lot better than well i got a d20 plus three but i got a hit target number 19 it's a i, I like it a lot better for that reason as well um, yeah, well, I like I, the thing I like about the ability ability rule too of rolling under your ability is that it also uh, it's it's something you generally do for things that aren't your class abilities. It's like class abilities in early D and D have their own rules. It's mm-hmm. like that's and, and they're geared to what level you are. But it's like stuff that's outside your your class really shouldn't be affected by level. It's like you know your character in our game, you know. You're, you're you're not you've, you've got like you know a, you're not a dwarf but you are raised by dwarfs you got to have dwarven knowledge and it's like that stuff isn't going to go up as you level up it doesn't make sense for that to be a skill that goes up it's just if you ever want to draw on that you're just going to yeah. draw on whatever your base ability scores and those are going to stay flat through yeah. the whole campaign and that that makes sense to me i i guess i mean a lot of the skills in you know third edition was the last D and latest D and i've played and a lot of those skills stretched badly over 20 levels when you tried to do it. I mean, use rope. It's like, what? 
what can you you know it's like wow i've got 20 ranks and use rope it's like well i mean you can untie the gordian knot i mean great it's yeah it just doesn't uh it, it doesn't work for me i i i feel like you know with, with D you've got your class abilities are based on your class and everything else is based off your abilities networks yeah. no and i and i and i do want to be clear here too and say i'm not against unified systems i think there's some great yeah i know games. same I here the, the problem, I think, with D&D trying to become unified is you're taking a very disunified system and you're turning it into a unified system. And that's like the worst of both worlds because you really are... The thing that's bad about unified systems is it forces you to compromise on a lot of, a lot of things unless you really mm-hmm. think through everything. Do you know what I mean? Like there, and there are mm-hmm. some games that I think do that. But like if you... If, if, and if, if you're just taking the idea of unified and apl- and trying to apply it to a game like D&D, I think it, um, I don't know. I mean, and th- 3E wasn't a bad game. It's just that, you know, I, I played it, I played it to death. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like I was, uh, you know, it's not like while I was playing it, I was miserable. <sighs> but I started getting really sick of the way skills worked in D&D. And, 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 and the moment I went back to, to, the, to the non-weapon proficiencies, it was... I thought it was way better. Um, yeah. So I think, I mean, I think one thing I like about, you know, mechanics that aren't unified is they encourage you to tinker more. It's like, if everything is unified, it, it feels like the game is kind of a solid block, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, whereas with, you know, D and D BX, you've kind of, I, I feel like I could easily rip out the saving throw system and put in a different system for saving throws mm-hmm. or even go, I'm just going to do them as ability rolls yeah. or whatever. I, I feel like I can, I can tinker with it in a way that with third edition, third edition just felt to me like it's anytime you tinker with it, you are risking breaking the whole thing. <laughs> no. Yeah. And that, I think that is a feature of unified systems. And I think that um, if you, the, the, the good thing about, being able to tinker with things like that is, is you can set them to taste. You can also set the probabilities a lot more precisely if you want to, but there's mm-hmm. also a different feel, you know, like every, you know, the thing, the thing with, um, with the, with the game where you're only rolling, you know, a single mechanic. And I see this in my, my own game all the time is, you know, there's one feel. Do you mean there's, there's one, yeah. there's one feel that the game has because mechanics do have a feel to them. But if you have a bunch of different things going on, then you, uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, now I'm doing a D100 roll, and now I'm doing a, this kind of roll. And, and, yeah. And again, and, we were, and we, were, we were kind of attacking D&D, and in fairness, it does have a lot of different kinds of roles and different, even in the third edition and stuff. Um, but uh, but I, feel, I, I feel like so much of it revolved around that D20 roll is what kind of... Uh, yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's, you know, for example, if you have your, you know... A, a trading system or a crafting system in your game and it is different than the way skills work then it's like oh we're yeah it, it, it feels like oh this is we're doing something different here it's like you know crafting doesn't feel like making it to hit roll or you know trading doesn't feel the same as as that and uh, it, but yeah it's it, it, it is it is just the feel thing so it's like it's purely an opinion I know I'm sure for some people you know a lot of people do like really like unified mechanics and and, and once again I mean 
gaming is so cyclical over time because if you if you if you like pulled me in like an earlier version of me from 1985 i would be like complaining about how the D rules were all over the place and scattered and everything and why can't more games be like gurps where they've got like a simple system for pretty much most things in the game but uh, you know but you yeah, over time, it's just my taste can go one way, yeah. then they can fly back the other way. So it's hard to say it's because it's better, but it's just how I feel at the moment. No, yeah, no, I think I think I think that happens a lot. That's uh, you know, over time, your attitudes about things change, your feelings about these sort of things change, and also you just like to mix things up. So I mean, you know, ten mm-hmm. years of doing the same thing, you might want to go and, and, and switch it up. Um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But uh, I, I, again, for me, the take home isn't don't do unified mechanics. I do no. it myself. It's it's that uh, and, and and not that not that three E is terrible or that um, one roll engine is terrible or any of that stuff. Just that, in fact, I think you you're a big fan of one roll engine. Um, yeah, I do like one roll engine. That's been my impression. <laughs> so that, I, yeah, exactly. I yeah, I got to clear that up. I was <laughs> not bringing one roll engine up as a. Uh, as but, uh, something to be shunned, I but, think I think it's got a lot of cool features. But but for me, the the, the core lesson is just and I, is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater with any of this stuff. If if there is a trend towards anything, I feel like sometimes we just we whatever the trend is rebelling against, we chuck that thing to the side like it was you know rotten meat. And yeah, I, I, I and we and and then you end up having to like ten years later go back and and sift through the meat to find out why you, <laughs> you know what I mean. It, 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 it really, you, I'm really cautious about throwing the baby out with the bathwater these days because I've just seen it again and again where it happens over and over and over and then people have to relearn the lesson that was learned 20 years ago, you know, about yeah. why we did this in the first place. Um, yeah. You know, like when yeah. I first went back to, um, you know, like when I first started getting into old school stuff again and saying like, oh, I'm going to go back and play old D&D or whatever. It was mostly as a joke. I thought I was going to laugh. I thought I was going to be like, ha that's so funny how crappy it was uh-huh. when we were like 15 and playing this way. And it turned out it wasn't crappy at all. It was like actually better than all this stuff that I thought was super sophisticated and evolved. And that was, for me, a big lesson. And so that's, that's kind of how I... That, whenever we're talking about this unified mechanic or anything like that, that's sort of where I'm coming from on it. Um, yeah, same with me. I, I played BX on a Lark about 10 years ago, just like, hey, let's pull this. I pulled out my old box set, and well, this will be crazy, and, and it was awesome. <laughs> and I, think, I think it's interesting because there's this, um, and I don't think I would like label myself you know, OSR in the way that a lot of other people are OSR, but I'm interested yeah. in OSR things. And there's this there's this sort of stereotype of the OSR as being people who who haven't moved since like 1982 or something. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they haven't done and and there are people who have played D and D the way they've played it since like the early 80s or whatever. But I don't know many people that are like that. Most people I know either uh, they played that way and they've but they also played other games and then they you know but they continue to play you know this older version of D and D or like me they 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 played that way at one point and continued with the hobby as it developed. And then they went back because something was missing from whatever they were, they were playing. And, uh, yeah. and they discovered that there was a lot of good stuff that had been tossed away. Um, and, and so that's, uh, that was very gameable, like very good, like very, you know, I, I think one of the telltale signs of, of, uh, of something being useful in gaming is if your, if your sessions are functioning or not. 
And, yeah. And there were periods in the hobby where my sessions were not going the way I thought they should be. And I think a lot of it was because I was sort of like, well, this is the way we're supposed to play now. And, uh, yeah. you know, so, so, so I think with anything, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, go back. Yeah. I mean, another thing for, in, in my case, it's like, I, you know, I got into D and D in the early eighties and I got into it like, you know, in the summer between fifth and sixth grade of school. And, and my, my D and D years were, were middle school. And by the time I was done with middle school, I'd moved on from D and D. So a lot of my, a lot of my scorn for D and D was that I was, you know, 12 years old and playing with other 12 year olds. Okay. And I'd never, I'd never played the game properly. Really. When I went back and tried again, I'm like, Hey, there's actually now, now that I know what I'm doing, there's some good stuff here. My so. my first game actually wasn't D and D. My first game was I think Mech Warrior or a game like that. I don't I don't even know because the GM didn't show us the game. He just had a folder and he gave us characters <laughs> and we played for like I don't know three to six months and we thought it was awesome. And then he showed us D and D. And 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 then I and then I started I played games like Top Secret and stuff like that. But, yeah, um, yeah, I played. Actually, that. and I don't think I played a whole lot. I, I know I own the box set, but I, I don't know if I got a lot of actual game mileage out of it. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then we, you know, and then when I moved back to Boston, I I met uh, a kid who also played D and D. So we played D and D, but we would play Palladium and uh, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff like that. And uh, and just like any, any any like we were sort of pretty much open to anything. But it always did see the, the the steady game always seemed to be D and D D and D or White Wolf those were the two that really kind of dominated the game groups in the by the time I was in high school. Um, yeah, so when we get to high school, we'd all we'd all decided that D and D was was baby stuff, and like none okay. of the none of the people in my high school gaming scene would touch D and D. We were all all too cool for D and D. Okay, you know, we were playing GURPS and RuneQuest and Call of Cthulhu and all that stuff, but. So, no D and D. I think my the gaming scene here, I think, was pretty interesting when I was younger. We were, I lived in like the Salem, uh, Swampscott sort of, you know, like right north of Boston area, and yeah. and I don't know how, I don't know how reflective my experience was of the general because you know I, I could have just been in the two groups that only played this way and and the people you know two miles over played totally differently than us because uh, yeah pre like pretty much pre internet, but uh but 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 for us it was um. It was all there was always like I was running Ravenloft. Usually there was another guy who would run, uh, uh, you know, like Dragonlance or things like that. But he would also run Big Eyes, Small Mouth, and you know, just as as new games came out, he would run them. And uh, yeah. we had a guy who ran Torg. Um, we you know we just, we just liked to play different games, uh, Tales from the Floating mm-hmm. Vagabond and Star Trek and all these things. Um, you know, yeah. And so I I I always kind of was around people who who liked D and D but liked other games too and that was never a never an issue. Um but Yeah, I, I, I that's that's what I've like like going back is because I abandoned it so quickly and I'm like, wow, I, I didn't never do this right. But uh yeah, it's uh it it's it's complicated. But I, I, I you know once again I, I do wanna do wanna add too that uh that uh uh, lost my train of thought. That's there. okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. Actually, I didn't want to. I did want to leapfrog to to one other topic here. Um, as we're, we're kind of getting close to the end, but I, I think there's a there's an additional uh, point of discussion worth getting into, which is um, uh, I, I I've been thinking about like sources of inspiration for game masters, and yeah. I've been doing that 
Pu Song Ling uh, Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio thing. Yeah. And it occurred yeah. to me, uh, and this is something that I've been sort of, you know, noticing a lot in the past two years as I've been drawing on things like Journey of the West and stuff like that. Folklore and myth is sometimes a much easier thing to draw into a campaign than, say, like a, a more modern sort of fantasy novel or horror novel like, like the like and granted you don't have to draw everything in whole you know whole from from the source but but i've just been very surprised at how gameable you know folklore has has been in my campaigns lately i'd say at least since i started running servants of gaius since since that that's when i really started leaning more on myth and legend and, and folklore and yeah and it's made a huge difference uh and I think the reason is, and I think you were the one that pointed this out, is that uh, a lot of folklore stuff is really just kind of like encounters. It's not, it's not, um, it's not like a, it's not like a. They're not always stories with beginnings, middles, and ends, and they don't always end the way that you know they can end with the main guy dying or or whatever. So the, so when you're reading folklore, it's more like a campaign. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an encounter, a random encounter that you have, and yeah, it's like guy goes out to the crossroads and he encounters this strange woman, and yeah, it's just in, yeah, because there, like you say, there's no, I mean, you're you're the one that mentioned story structure, and it's like, yeah, because there's no story structure, you can, you know, it can go any direction from that point based on what the players want, which is what you want from a role playing encounter, yeah. and. Yeah, I actually, uh, I got, I would say when I was running Ars Magica back in the late 80s, early 90s was when I kind of tapped into folklore because a lot of, a lot of that draws mm -hmm. on medieval myth and which is a, a similar thing where a lot of it is just these weird little anecdotes that, you know, just have a, a weird edge to them. And those, those, those were very good drawing on like fairy lore, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it's funny because I... Uh, I, you know, I, I picked up the, the weird New Jersey book, which is all just local legends from New Jersey. Uh -huh. And I've had that sitting on my shelf for a couple of years and not got around to reading it. And just the other day, it's like, you know, Robert was trying to talk me to running unknown armies. I'm like, OK, so I like, you know, I, I, like, I see that on the shelf. I'm like, I'm going to read through this, see mm -hmm. if I get any unknown armies ideas out of here. And. And when my nephews like saw it within five minutes, he's like, oh, this is awesome. Can I borrow this? I'm like. Okay, so it's gone. It's okay. like <laughs> I was like I had a, a rich vein of folklore within in my hands, and within five minutes, I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't deny them a book. So yeah, I, I have one for Boston, not Bo Massachusetts, and then I think just New England in general. Um, uh huh. That's uh, I don't know. There's something about local folklore that is is kind of nice. Um, yeah, and, and you don't tend to think of America as having that as much, but but there there are. There are local myths and legends, and uh, um, and 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 I've I've been I I've found them useful in like Call of Cthulhu campaigns or um, anything that's set in the uh, you know in, in in my neck of the woods. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it can be uh, you know like when I've run just like one shot horror scenarios or whatever. But uh, um, but yeah, yeah, it it gives a lot of resonance. Uh, when I was in high school. I, uh, you know, I went to high school in Ohio and uh, I ran the Ghostbusters role playing game. And, you know, that was another game where we we played it once like, well, this is silly, whatever. This will be goofy. We had the best time with that mm. game. And 
I and and the great thing about it is like the concept of the game is you open up a franchise, you know, for the Ghostbusters the company the Ghostbusters chain is franchised out, and you're opening a franchise in your home city wherever mm-hmm. wherever you as players live, and and once again that being able to like tap into local folklore or just things that we as you know individuals thought were weird you know i could like set something in that weird house that was mm-hmm. like you know a few blocks away and and it just yeah it really gives your games a lot of resonance that you can't get playing in a fantasy setting but uh but yeah yeah i've just noticed it's um it's a it's a lot easier uh, drawing on that than uh, than a lot of other sources like uh, you know like uh, something that's more story oriented um, yeah and, uh, yeah a three volume fantasy epic yeah yeah and, and I mean I've, I've generally you know in the past 10 years been pretty averse in general to sort of incorporating like story structure to a game but yeah. I mean, you still get inspiration from movies oh and yeah and things like that but I feel like the like these are so like like folklore is so compact, so tight, so you know. There's just this weird thing, and you can you can you know you can just bring you. you you're, I feel much more free to incorporate it into my game because it's uh it, it it's usually something where it's like a cool monster or a cool magic item or something, and you, and, it, and 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 you just get like a description of what it does or or some guy who had a weird encounter with it, and then. From there, you get a lot of ideas for adventures. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's a that's an excellent resource. Um, but yeah, so we, we've been going on for thirty minutes. We wanted to keep this one short, so I guess we'll end it there. Unless you had anything you wanted to add about either of the topics. Uh, I think I'm good. I'm All ready right. to sign out. All right, so we'll be back on I think on Wednesday with Babylon Five, and then we're going to do the Delightful Forest on Friday. That is a um. A, a really oh. really good T Lung movie. Um, okay, is that a yeah? We need to we need to talk about that. I, I will be available this Friday to okay. get back in on it. Yeah, that so. one that one has that one is really good. It's a really good movie. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the Lady Hermit, even though I, I wasn't on the oh, podcast. Well, well, now I that I have you, what's it, your so. just uh what's your what was your opinion to Lady Hermit? Did you? Oh, it was fantastic. I really I the characters were great. I really I. I I completely blanked on the characters' names at this point, but you know the one who wanted to to study with a lady hermit. She was just, 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 just a great, really driven character, and lady hermit herself was a very, uh, just uh, she, she was she was the actress playing her was just I really enjoyed that character. And then you yeah. got that, that that guy stuck in the middle there, but uh, uh, yeah, it it was just just thoroughly entertaining and, and good good martial arts sequences all around good movie. Yeah, Lady Hermit was played by Cheng Pei Pei, who um, uh, a lot of people will recognize as the, the uh, Jade Fox from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the old lady. Oh, um, I haven't seen that in many years. Okay, so. so she's the villain in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, okay. And, and so, uh, you know, I think it's funny, too, because she has a very distinct look. And so I think mm-hmm. when, even if, like, like, I, like people who don't watch old Wuxia or anything like that, Whenever, like, I showed come drink with me to my uncle one day, and he's like, "I know that lady. I know that lady from uh, somewhere." Yeah. Everybody seems to recognize her face from uh, 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 *Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon*, which was made decades later. So, 
Um, yeah, yeah. I but, last saw it in the theater, so it's been a while since I've seen. Yeah, I saw. I saw it when it came out in the theater too. I saw it with my uncle actually. Me and my uncle went there. Oh, there really? Yeah, okay. Was, uh, so he, he did recognize her. But yeah, uh... yeah he, he, you know, he he uh, he and I saw it when it when it came out. Um, when was I don't know two thousand or whenever it was that it came out. I can't remember. Yeah, um, uh, around two thousand yeah. sounds right. I was living right. in Oak Park at the time, but yeah, uh, yeah but uh, I. I don't have any like deep insight or things to say, but I, I, you know, I, I just found it, found it. I, I thoroughly recommend it. It's just a very entertaining, uh, entertaining movie with some good plots. The, the villains plot at the beginning with him, uh, you know, having the fake lady hermit. That was, uh, that was, that was good. That was good. I enjoyed that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good, yeah. I think, I think it's one of the best Wuxia movies out there, but, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I'll let people make that decision on their own. It's a little hard to get. Um, I have it on DVD. I haven't looked at. I, I know. I think mine is like the. Is it Funimation or Fun? I can't remember who did it, but it's it's a pretty good copy. And and I think I have a um, uh, Celestial Pictures one as well. Uh, but I think they're pretty difficult to get to get your hands on. So, uh, all right. So I will let everybody go, and we will talk to you later. <laughs>